0: Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What
1: happen if you say what you want to say? Ladies, I want to see you be brave, and today we have a brave guest on with us today. I am so super pumped about this topic because you all know I'm an evangelist. I love to share the gospel, you know, regardless where we are, who it is with. I just love Jesus and the fact that he really... He just saved me out of the pit of hell. And who am I sitting next to in heaven right here is Reagan Kramer. Thank you, Reagan, for coming on with me today. Love being here, Shug. I'm so thankful. You know, the topic is hot today. It's amazing. I'm so excited to hear oh, what our guest has to say. Hot, hot, hot. You know, we are in a show like no other. John, did you know we're in a show like no other? <laughs> I did, Shug. Sure. You know I did. We're talking on topics that are really difficult to talk about and ones that people often aren't talking about, and today's hot topic is about reaching out to Muslim women in the USA. Reaching out to Muslim women in the USA. You know what? I am so sick and tired of being people being afraid or I don't know enough or what's going on with this. And women, we are women. Women are women. Let's get the love thing right today. And we're going to be doing this in two parts, which I'll be mentioning in just a minute because there's so much content. But before I do, I do want to introduce our return guest, Nagme Panay. And she is such a blessing. Nagme, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm going to just share just a little bit about your past and your bio so that the women can understand. We've already done one show with you, which was just outstanding on domestic abuse. And why did we do that? Ladies, I want you to really make a point of listening to her show. Listen to the interview on him for her radio on domestic abuse. She's got a story that would amaze you. Nagme is an American Christian who has been on the front lines crying out to receive freedom for Saeed Abedini, her husband, from an Iranian prison. Through her tenacity and perseverance, I mean, this woman is a rock star, she brought worldwide attention, not only to Saeed's imprisonment in Iran, but also to the plight of persecuted Christians worldwide. She has spoken before churches, media such as Fox News, CNN, the United Nations in Geneva, President President Obama and Donald Trump. And through all of this, through all of this, no one knew that Nagme, behind the scenes, had a history of being abused in her marriage and even verbally threatened from Saeed while he was imprisoned. She secured safety and freedom then for herself and her children after he was released. Listen to this earlier aired show, which is now found on iTunes, Him for Her Radio, or on our website at Him for Her Ministries, HIM4Ministries.org. Number I want you to go to our website, check out what we're doing there, all the five initiatives, one being radio, and help us bring hot topics to the darkest corners of the world. Now, get this, Listeners. Even amid Nagme's trials and abuse from her marriage, her passion and heart is to be able to share the good news of Christ with other Muslim women. Hello, listeners. This is an area of controversy in America. People have fears and the uneducated, biased opinions of the Muslim culture with the turmoil of today's terrorism and increasing Muslim population in the United States. You know, I got to tell it like it is. We're going to let our words come out. We're going to be brave and that is our topic today reaching Muslim women in the United States. Again, thank you, Nagme, for being brave and coming on with us. Thanks for having me. Nagme, it's so great to have you back. But before we dig into our
0: topic today of reaching Muslim women in the USA, will you please share with us a little about yourself and uh, with our listeners?
2: Yes, I was born in Iran. I was born into a strong Muslim family, and um, I grew up in a war, and a lot of my questions about God and even um, seeking Islam at that time, because that's the only religion I knew, was uh, a lot of uh, my understanding of Islam um, got, I guess, stronger and deeper at at an early age. Um, I was in Iran until the age of nine, until fourth grade. So I learned a lot about Islam and practice Islam in my attempt to know God until the age of nine.
1: And what happened at the age of nine?
2: Uh, We came to America because of the war in Iran was getting worse. And uh, soon after, I want to say a few weeks, maybe a few months after we came, uh, my brother came running to me and he said, Nagme, I found the God um, that we've been looking for. His name is Jesus. And he said, I just had a vision of Jesus, and all I felt was love, and I know this is it. So we pursued people to tell us about Jesus and found um, some people who told us about Jesus and let us, um, you know, had us pray the sinner's prayer, and they baptized us, and we were given a Bible. And so that's the age we uh, came to know Christ.
1: I love that story. You know, God is so full of love. This is the thing that we keep losing sight of. He is love. He calls us to love one another. Um, And so with that in mind, we're going to get the love thing right on this show for both parts. The first part, we'll be concentrating on understanding the Muslim culture for women. You know, it's very confusing to us. We see things. We don't get it. There's some myths and misunderstandings that the USA, not just women, but all the USA have around the Muslim culture. And then on part two... We are going to basically be talking about the obstacles of sharing the gospel with women here in the United States of America. Where do you start? I mean, what are your fears? What does scripture say about reaching out? And so, Nagme, I hope you're ready, because this is going to be a show where we tell it like it is. We are going to be open. We're going to be raw with our questions, and we're going to share with others Um, some of the things that they're thinking before the show, I asked so many women what their questions were and how we can address it. So some of the questions that we have today are going to be ones that I has asked women already. may help us to understand the Muslim culture for women.
2: Um, It differs. Um, Here I work with different Muslim women. So it depends on if they're from Africa or even different parts of Middle East, but ultimately, um, the culture is a culture of oppression. They're considered second-class citizens, in, depending on if it's Saudi Arabia or Iran. There's a level, different levels of how much freedom they have. But mainly in all of all of these uh, Muslim countries, and Muslim women are considered second-class citizens. They're not given as much rights in marriage. They're uh, treated as property. They're usually dealing with multiple, being wives, um, you know, second or third wives, uh, being in a marriage that um, or in a relationship that believes that um, you can have more than one wife, and uh, they're treated as property, as um, giving birth and, and everything they do to please their husband. Wow. I just came
0: back from Israel, and I was kind of experiencing that oppression that you're talking about uh, when I was in parts of the Muslim quarter, so that's interesting that you're saying that. And is that, base, is that the basic foundation of their faith, or is that more of a cultural thing or is that all meshed together
2: um no it's it's the foundation of the faith (laughs) recently i was talking to an afghani woman and um she comes from you know a very um hard marriage and um i asked her why do you think this is the case that you see so much of what you see with um the physical violence and um having multiple relationships and she said she looked at me, she said, Islam?
0: Mm. Yes,
2: but I think so. Um, it's, it's you know, I don't want to go too much into detail, but mm-hmm. Muhammad had many wives. Muhammad had um, wives that were much older than him, and he had wives that were much younger than him. That's why in Middle East, it's. Um, I actually recently watched a video of a 22-year-old mar- marrying a 10-year-old and people were clapping and celebrating, and I was just weeping. Mm. Um, It's just because their founder did that, it's normal. And Mm. that's why you see that in in the Middle East um, where Islam is. So they're very oppressed. And also an interesting fact about Muslim women is that they are the ones passing on Islam. Mm. Interesting enough, it's not the men, it's the women that are passing it on to the children. And even working with refugees here, the men are working, they're doing, you know, all the time, they're truck drivers and, what, you know, just busy, but the women are the ones sitting down with the children, making sure they're doing their Islamic prayer and understanding the Quran. So it's, it's really interesting that when you reach
1: women, you're actually reaching the entire family. Wow. Like. Generations to come. Amen. That is just a huge impact. Um, I didn't realize that that women are the ones that are doing the teaching and passing that on. Um, can you help clarify for our listeners what is the difference or is there a difference when we use the word Muslim and when we use the word Islam?
2: Yeah, Muslim is, is a follower of Islam. Islam's is the religion and Muslim is like um, Muslim is the person following that religion. So mm-hmm. when you talk about the religion, you say Islam, religion of Islam. That Muslim means that person is
1: following Islam.
2: So that's the main difference.
1: Okay, thank you for clarifying. Also, why do uh, the women wear wraps? So uh,
2: a lot of, you know, what women do is that they would not be a temptation to a man, because if a man sins, it's it's the woman's fault. So... Um, in most, almost all Muslim uh, countries, the women have to wear a covering. Now, the, the covering differs based on different countries, but the covering is there so that the man is not tempted by the woman's hair mm-hmm. or body shape. And um, if, uh, for example, if um, the Quran says that if you, uh, if a man sees a part of your hair, um, you would be hanged in hell by that part of your hair. <laughs> wow. And, because of that. So it's a way in Saudi Arabia and in a lot of places, women put their hand in their mouth when they talk because they're afraid that their womanly voice might tempt a man. And wow. so they don't want to have any, have basically become non-existent, have anything that could possibly tempt a man in any way. So they, they cover themselves up completely, even in talking in a lot of ways. They have to make sure their womanly voice isn't heard. And that's that's the
1: main reason for the covering. And is that happening here in the United States as well, that practice? Oh, yes, very much so. Um, I don't know. I I don't
2: think we see it as much when I work with Muslims here. They are in their own communities. Mm -hmm. Um, There are certain parks and locations that they do go out, especially later in in the evening when it gets cooler. Um, But mainly they're within their own communities. But it is here in the U.S. And they, it's, it's, it's just in different locations based on where those um, refugees settle um, and they kind of congregate together, find each other. And, and there's different areas within uh, each city that um, these Muslim communities are, are part of. And they're all covered up like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Could you help us understand, going back to that question of the women passing on the Muslim faith to their children, what is the core of that? Why would the women and
2: not the men Um, you know, I've I've read, I've read up on Islam, and that was interesting for me, too, that um, women are the ones that are passing it on. And I realized that that's how it was with my family. It was uh, my mom. It was also um, her mom. It it was passed down by grandmas and so on, I think, because simply they're the ones at home, like the same way as Christian women, we're the ones um, a lot of women mm-hmm. are, are the ones educating the children, homeschooling, mm-hmm. and passing it on as, as the men are busy working. It's just that we're the, they're the ones interacting with the children, and so they are the ones that are making sure that the children understand Islam, accept it, and follow it.
0: Wow. Um, and Nagme, what are some misunderstanding, misunderstandings and myths American women have surrounding the Muslim culture?
2: Um that, you know, I think people think they're set in their ways, they're never going to change, that all Muslims are violent. Um, I think we we don't see them the way God sees them. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've i had Muslim, I've invited Muslim women and men to church, and I just see fear when they walk in. Mm. There's so much fear. I, I was even told at one church, we're we're fine just the way we are. Mm. They don't want the drama. They're wow. afraid that if, they're, if these Muslim women become Christians, then their, their men might become violent and attack the church or something. There There's a lot of fear with violence, and and um, especially if they help a Muslim woman, what happens if the husband finds out and hurts us? But I think they see even Muslim women and they see the covering. I, I, I've seen it as I walk with these Muslim women to different stores and I help them with, in their doctor's appointment. Mm. People look at them with content and anger. Mm. Like, you know, and that breaks my heart because... Yeah. Um, they're they're just like us, but under a covering, and they're very oppressed and broken And you get to know them.
1: You know, that just breaks my heart, because, you know, I think God has a sense of humor in the way that if we were to go to Iran or some of these other places and preach the gospel, our life is at stake. But instead, what does he do? He brings these beautiful women to the U.S. of A. and gives us an opportunity in our own backyard and with our own neighbors to share the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, he just Got it, rocking! I way to go, God! I'm so excited for what He's doing. Um, if you're just listening, this is Sugbury, and I am a host of Him for Her Radio Women's Hot Topics. And today's hot topic is on sharing and reaching out to Muslim women in the United States. We have our wonderful co-host with me today, Reagan Kramer, and we have Nagme Panay who is here with us today, and she's sharing from her heart um, her experience within the Muslim faith in communities. As she shares about Islam, and so Nagme, I know that you had shared with me a little bit about the Quran. Um, what does it say about Christians? You know, there's um, two different parts on the Quran. There's
2: the um, um, there's different surahs, meaning different verses. There's the Mecca one, and then there's the Medina one. The, um, one of them, it was written when Islam was a its weakest. And so you see a lot, a lot of loving verses. Like, they call Christians people of the book. They call Jews people of the book. They um, talk about, you know, they are, they approve the Bible, actually. And then there is when Islam got very strong. Um, I believe it's the Medina verses is is when you see the violent ones kill them wherever you find them, and you see a lot of violence and, and a lot of aggressive language towards Jews and Christians. It depends again where when Islam was at in terms of being weak in that in, in that region or when it became strong. Mm-hmm. But there is a there is a, um, I guess a book in the Quran that's called the Maryam uh, surah surah Maryam which specifically talks about Christ. And that's very, very interesting because it calls Christ the Spirit of God. It says He was the only prophet that raised the dead, made the blind see. Um, it talks about Him being born of a virgin. And so it's very interesting because um, there's things in there that do point to the deity of Christ. So when I when I speak to Muslim women, I say, why do you think He was the only prophet that could raise the dead? Why do you think He was the only prophet that could make the blind see? Who can do that can a prophet do that or and then they start by question asking them questions they start thinking, oh only God can raise the dead and, and why was Jesus the only one that did that? Why does you know why does it say that? and they start questioning that.
0: That's amazing. So women in the Muslim faith, do you think they're being deceived by what they're reading in the Quran or you're turning it around and saying it's talking about Jesus and some of that truth that he is the only one that can heal. Um, and what kind, do you feel like the women of the Muslim faith are in bondage from part of that and it's confusing to them and how do they receive freedom?
2: Yeah, they are. They are ultimately without Christ, we're all in bondage. No matter, Islam is just another religion. It tells you how they, you know, they, um, you, you might go to heaven. It's not a promise. And that's another thing I share with Muslim women. I said, do you know you're going to heaven? Mm -hmm. They say, No. And even Muhammad said um, in, in the Quran, he said, I don't know if I will go to heaven or hell. I've done my best thing about it. So he didn't even know. And he was the founder. So he's like the top. And so I shared, do you know? And they, they don't know. They're hoping that their good works outweighs their bad works. And I explained to them, so if I don't murder 364 days out of the year, but I murder once, do I deserve death? Yes. You yeah. sin once. You're you're, you're um Separated from God for eternity, and that that the penalty of sin is death. So I explain to them about the holiness of God, looking at someone lustfully, that's adultery. Anger is murder, and they understand that weight of sin. And I say, there's no way you can pay that by your good works. Your good works, and I take them through Scripture. It's considered filthy before God. It's it's really, and and I explained about God coming into. Um, earth for and it had to be god not a prophet because a lot of muslims they they say well jesus was just a prophet it had to be god because it had to be a blameless lamb Mm -hmm. all prophets have sinned so i discussed that and you know they are open The bible says how how will they know if they never hear we think oh they're closed they're never gonna accept christ but i was i was you know someone shared with me and i accepted um you know my brother did have a vision but when i first heard about jesus when someone went through the Bible with me, I accepted it gladly. So how do you know they're not going to accept it when they haven't Mm -hmm. even been given the truth, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And you, you said, I I like what you said. We don't see them the way God sees them sometimes because of the fear. And I remember sitting in a doctor's office one day and there were a couple Muslim women and it was actually an infertility clinic. And my husband and I went through some of that and I'm looking at their eyes and I'm just praying and, And God gave me this vision of we are all the same women that he he created us. And we had the same uh, passion and we had the same wanting and yearning for a child. And we just looked a little bit different. And I sat there and I was just praying and I wanted to reach out in there with their husbands and talk to them. And I just didn't know how to do that. And fear might have been part of that. But I would ask you, if you were in that room, how would... Somebody reach out.
2: You know, I've reached out. I, I, I've realized in my brokenness, um, God has used it to reach out to these women because a lot of them, almost every single one I've talked to, they talk about abuse and their husband yeah. being into pornography and all that. So, I, in that clinic, I would have said, "Oh, are you also struggling with you know this is this is such a and I would talk I would talk about your own brokenness, yeah. how. You know, and then, you know, just get their number, you know, have, say, you know, I would love to get to know you more. I know this is a really hard time. This is a trying time. It's been with me and my husband. I would love to get to know you more. And so sometimes at that initial meeting, you don't really get to have the full on gospel. It's the initial contact. But really, you know, Jesus, when um, he spoke to the woman at the well, he talked about his needs. He said, Mm -hmm. can I have water? So it's okay to go with them in terms of exposing our own need and our own brokenness, and that actually builds a bridge to get to know them. And then, as you get to know them, then God gives opportunity to present the gospel. And the word of God is powerful; He's the one that brings in the harvest. But we are commanded to share the gospel, and He's the one that does the rest of the work. But I would say go. I would say talk. I would have talked to them in, in, in your brokenness. I would have said, "I struggle. I know this is painful." I would love to get to know you. Maybe we can go out to coffee and then start building a relationship and, and showing them how Christ is the solution. Because their worth is not about how many kids they have or, um, you know, that their worth is in Christ. And that's what I've been able to do. God has granted me to do that in, in abuse, saying, this is mm. not who God is. He loves you. Mm-hmm. He does not
1: want you to be treated this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, and you're so right on that, Nagme. It's all about relationship. You know, we think we got to pound people over the head with Scripture or talk about this and that, and Jesus no, allow God. Because, you know, if you're called to this appointment, this God appointment, let's mm-hmm. say in that lobby, and you build a relationship with this person, you have common ground, you find some common ground together, mm-hmm. then God will give you the opportunity when the time is right uh, to share about the love of Jesus and what He has done for you, Nagme. It was so cool when you shared the story with me at our first interview, and you talked about how your mom and dad took your Bible, mm-hmm. and then down the road because you know they thought that you were being um, you know immersed in a in a culture that it was not right in the United States, and then down the road they became believers because they were reading the Scripture. So it's so cool to see what God does through the truth through His Word. And it's amazing. We just get to sit back and watch it. You know, my my life verse is Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, Lord, send me. Mm -hmm. Nagme, you're the same way. Reagan is the same way. I'm you know built the same way here we are lord send us and the second part mm-hmm. of this show that we're going to be getting to is all about how do we reach out to women how do we evangelize how do we share the gospel with them what does scripture say about that i am i'm so i'm so pump and i can hardly even sit in my seat i can tell as to what god is going to do next but ladies before we go if you don't know that he is the way and the truth and the life you didn't know that no one comes to the father except through Jesus Christ. Would today be the day that you say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I've learned this for the first time and I want that same love of Jesus that Nagme experienced as well. Ladies and gentlemen, our time is up. This is Shugbury, him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics. Thank you, Nagme. Thank you, Reagan. Until next time, over and out.